Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Tim, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, um, seen you for a little while. Yeah, I have been all over the place. I basically had a like like a mental health trigger that like put my mind into lockdown because I had like this big argument with a friend of mine. Oh, so it just sort of like it was exhausting, and I, it took me like a month to sort of like recover from it because like yeah, it over overthrew my brain basically. This argument right well, do we do we want to talk about what that argument was or that trigger or is that uh something you want to leave for another time or a different uh off the record thing i, I, I just oh no no, no it's me. yeah yeah no it's just it's just fascinating because um i mean do you want to talk about this do we want to do an episode about this i don't know well let's just talk about whatever we talk about man if you want to talk about it let's talk about it if not we'll talk about something <laughs> else I'm all right fine. I, i'd like to know um I, I like yeah to know so how your mind works yeah so basically now I've like, because of this like massive issue I had, I've now fit as I got out of it, like I had to figure out how to get out of it myself. Right. Cause like what goes on in my mind is more compli- complicated than like most of what most people understand about how the mind works. Right. Cause like something goes wrong in my head and I'm like, fuck, I have no idea how to feel better right now. And then I have to go in and feel better about it. Right. Like I have to figure it out so that my mood flips and that's what like therapy helps with or whatever. But basically this argument, it like flexed my mind so much. And all I was trying to do was um, like, so imagine you're fighting with your wife and you realize right in a, in a moment that she is not really being reasonable and you're just going to try and get her to calm down rather than convince her right now of why she's upset or whatever it is. Right. At some point that flips in your mind. You're not going to convince her right now, even though you think she's right or you think you're right and she'll agree with you in a different state. So right now you're switching modes to just calming the situation down. Right. Yeah. My mind got stuck in that mode and someone was so upset at me that I just like was there for like an hour answering every deflection to make sure we were good at the end but it was so tough to do because at some point like i i wanted to not care anymore like it was too much Hmm. but because of that it like overextended my capacity to deal with the issue and then like it just that capacity to deal with stuff collapsed Hmm. and it's just like i don't know how to get it to like start running again after like i lose control of it and it's it's actually the same phenomenon, like that overstretching of my mind. I used to purposely do that through drugs and alcohol, right? I used to get blackout. I used to push my limits so that I didn't have to like use my mind, right? Right. And so mine, it's like overstretched, but it's the same phenomenon as someone who like chooses to stop thinking, right? If you just choose to, I don't want to deal with this. It's also a relinquishing of your mind, but in a different way. So I never relinquished it in that way to not deal with stuff. I would like overstress my mind so that it turned off, Mm. like chemically overstress it. But because of that, now I have like my balloon fills up more easily. My mind's more sensitive, right? Which is related to the autism stuff. So like 
it catches way more stuff because that's how it always dealt with everything was just more sensation, more data, more whatever. Right. 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 And so that's, what's been going on. And I've had to figure that out in the past month in order to calm my, myself down. Cause like, yeah, so it's been right. intense. Yeah. So you were kind of almost like in crisis management mode where you're trying to get things back on track with your buddy. And that took all your kind of cognitive energy to do or no, not, not that it wasn't all of my, I was not in the optimal state in my, like, I just felt not, you know, you either feel happy or you can feel down. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel happy consistently. Right. Yeah. I didn't feel it. And so I got obsessed with why don't I feel this? Like I'm supposed to be happy. Why am I not happy? And so I can't do anything else because the, the best thing to do is to figure out why I'm not happy. Right. right, right. And the thing is, no matter what I'd done in my past, I always like, that's what I was trying to do. So I know how to do it now. Cause like, I know how to put myself first. Right. So there was like this interesting yeah. connection about like trying to put myself first now and the manner in which I tried to put myself first, um, before, Right. And so now that I understand that connection, because before it used to be like, I definitely know better than all these morons. I'm here. I'm living my life. But imagine thinking that while you're like partying at a frat party and like doing whatever the hell you want to do. Right. And so like applying that now in what I would call a more feminine lens where like, oh, I can feel confident in who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm here type thing. Right. Does that connect or is that? A bit of a disconnection. No, it's well. I, I, I mean, I, I have to admit, I'm struggling a little bit to understand. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you know, one of the things I've noticed about happiness is that if you like try to force it or something like that, um, it it's antithetical. It's kind of a weird thing. You you have to. Um, it's almost like a byproduct of something else you do, and it, right, you and focus on happiness the further away it seems almost. Right, and that, and that's absolutely right. And basically, so. The, What's interesting is the way I obsessed about happiness was from a different perspective because I, I figured out like I what felt happy when I was traveling, right? So I got obsessed with traveling and figured out when I like I experienced the two weeks of happiness traveling and then came back and obsessed about why am I not experiencing that feeling now? And so I learned, like, I, I've re really been trying to figure out what you have. It's about putting yourself in an environment where, like, you could be happy, but not, like, pursuing the happiness, right? Like, life's right. a journey, not destination. So it's about, like, it's, like, about designing the train car that you can just sit in as much as possible, but not, like, steering the train all of the time. Like, you've done some thinking about where the train is going, right? And so, like, I, I think because I had never done anything other than pursue my pleasure like that. Like literally what happened is I fell in love and I got addicted to that. Like it felt so good to be in love and like the calm it gave me, like it literally, I got addicted because all I had ever done was chase, have like chase pleasure and happiness was psychological pleasure, right? Like right. it was the best thing I'd ever felt. Right. Right. And so I just, why can't I get that 
whatever that is, whatever this thing is, why can't I get it all of the time? Right. And, but it's a state, it's a state that you can learn about what are the elements in like, if you're, uh, if you're, so the image that comes to mind for me is I'm lying in bed with the love of my life and it's just pure happiness. I've had moments of that. Right. And so psychologically, what is going on in the mind? Why are you able to achieve that state in that moment? Right. And how do we create a life for you such that that is the underlying state, the psychological state that you're in most, if not all of the time? Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like literally. So it's it's the same way you can figure out why someone gets addicted to like someone can be addicted to food. Someone can be addicted to um like the, the thing you, I was addicted to a certain psychological state, but then like, cause it was like the state of psychological pleasure. And then I experienced emotional pleasure and it like short circuited my mind or something. Cause it was even better, but it was totally different. And I couldn't get that. Cause I, I was a, are you still, I'm sort of jumping all over the place, but I was a womanizer. Right. And so I was literally chasing women to try and get what I was taught love would be. And it was totally backward because I was just thinking, oh, if I like cycle through enough women, if I find one who's the right one, then we'll be in love and it will be fine. But that's totally not the right way to think about it. Luckily, I ended up with someone because it happened differently than that. And so the nature of the relationship was totally different for me. And it was based on, um, so, but it, so because of that, like the pleasure was as good as any pleasure I'd ever gotten psychological pleasure, right? Love right. that. Um, but no matter what I could do, I wasn't able to give that to myself because all of the pleasure I'd have ever experienced was more so like addiction pursuit, not like emotional value pursuit. Right. Yeah. And so I had to figure out how to get it the other way. And now what happens is if, um yeah that's the end of that um yeah well it's interesting because i i differentiate joy from happiness that you know joy is the psychological state of being feeling pleasure being being having a smile on your face uh you know just feeling those positive vibes and um you know i kind of define happiness differently i kind of i once defined it uh for um in, in during my leadership training as uh, the the conscious awareness that you are living uh, it w with integrity to your life's purpose or something like that. Um, so to me, it wasn't necessarily about sustaining jo a joyful feeling all the time so much. Yeah. Like living a pur purpose-driven life to me is, is happiness, but sometimes you experience profound sadness or depression and other yeah. times you feel experienced joy. Like you go through the gamut of, emotional experiences when you are uh when you're living a life of integrity and trying to live a principled purposeful driven life or something like that so that's kind of how i mm -hmm. uh, i look at the, the concept of happiness um because I, and the reason i differentiate it is because if you're simply chasing joy to me it's almost like um chasing you know like you you can feel intense pleasure by taking a hit of heroin right and right right and so there's a downside to that right there's a negative side to that in in that um the the pursuit of that pleasure in and of itself can create long-term problems that right, I, to happiness 
Yeah, I totally agree. And so basically what happened is, so I tried to pursue it in the same way, but it's not possible, right? You cannot pursue love through just sheer joy seeking. Love isn't about that. Happiness isn't about that, right? It's not just about that seeking. But because of the way I was, I like, so I sought it and I came to conclusions that seemed to be universal truths, right? And, you know, you, we, I don't agree with everyone on every one of them, right? But it's about like, wow, like definitely freedom is good, right? Like I need to make sure I have freedom. Like, oh, my reasoning mind, that's important for me to be happy, right? Like I know now that the most joy comes from a state of happiness and I'm like building that in, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, the books I've read on happiness, I'm trying to remember... Uh, who wrote it? Um, but oh, it, it's, oh, it's, oh. it's it's premise premise was it might be Dan Gilbert or Sean Acor I can't remember, but it, the the premise of the book is basically that most people look at happiness as something you pursue. In other words, if I get that promotion, I'll be happy. If I get if I'm able to buy a house, I'm happy. If I get two cars, if I right yeah married, like happiness is always just over the horizon. And then when you achieve that goal you're actually not happy it's now a new goal and it's a constant pursuit right and, he, and his his uh uh point was uh success uh, happiness doesn't follow success success follows happiness all the research seems to support that if you can f be happy wherever you're at in your current circumstances that success is more likely to follow um, and so, so to focus on happiness which is exactly what you've been doing for the last month i guess so and, and so basically what I think that does, when you do that, when you focus on happiness instead of success, your primary like resting state is different and one such that you can be more creative in your thinking. Yes. So that you build the, like you build the world around you, so to speak, you build your life, Absolutely. you build, Absolutely. right? And so it's, and the reason is like, it's you're more independent. You're fundamentally more concerned with yourself and your state fundamentally over anything else other people are feeding you, right? right. If you're stressing out about, um, you know, family and they think they know what's best for you or you're stressing out about work and they think they know what's best for you and you're just dealing with a lot of information or you're dealing with a lot of stuff that you don't think is like essential to your happiness, your mind is occupied with that. If you're able to just be like content in your happiness, that processing power of like dealing with everyone else's inputs, you can actually turn that around and just like think about how to create more of the life you want to have, how to create more of the world you want to have, right? And so it's, again, it's because of like the seat of which way is your lens focused, basically? Are you thinking, okay, I have to deal with this stuff so then I'll get the happiness or because I'm happy, I know I'm allowed to be thinking about these things. Right. So it's like right. the, the, the lens through which you look at life can actually Absolutely. flip. Yeah. Well, and actually this was a big part of my, um, my master's thesis was talking about mental state. I, I did a big lit review and found all sorts of information, you know, because I was studying the way uh, teams operate in a most optimal manner and what does leadership look like in that environment. And, you know, the research I found, there's strong research that supports this, is that, um, 
well, for example, one way you can hack your mind into a more um, optimal cognitive state is through practicing gratitude, right? Being thankful mm. for things, having a, a gratitude practice. And, you know, one researcher described it as having your cognition poised on the edge of chaos, where all sorts of new, uh, new novel opportunities emerge or ideas emerge that otherwise wouldn't. And your peripheral vision physically expands. Compare that to a fear, a, a fear state where you're anxious, uh, where you know it's almost like a fight or flight state where everything, the whole world narrows, and you're poised for one singular purpose: move, or freeze, or fight. And and and, there, and it limits, takes away all the possibilities off the table except those two or three things, and, right? So, and that's really interesting because I think that that focus, the ability to have that focus on something and know that that's what you should be focused on. That focusing of your mind is like, that's what Ayn Rand, she termed that ability focus. I'm calling it your mental muscle to be able to get into that state when and if you choose, right? And I think people's lack, think of the stereotypical ways in which let's say the genders get into that state. Because this is what I've been talking about and trying to figure out a lot is like for a stereotypical woman, you could say they have that with their children, right? Hmm. A stereotypical man would have that with their job or their pursuit or if they're a soldier or if they're an athlete, right? So they could get that same mental focus, that exercise of their mental focus. Um, but it was always in a more, for the men, it was often more in a like, aggressive focus like we're attacking and this sort of thing right and as people like so because they learned how to get into that state while activating it mm -hmm. right they have a different orientation around what it is to be holding it whereas if you're relaxed you can hold that focus but much more simply right so imagine like you're just uh, stay at home mom so happy and focused on your children and they're just playing so it's like easy but you're focused on it and it's enjoyable or you're educating your child or whatever it is right like yeah. think of the and and so think of like what's happening to the family as people get more like we're turning to a certain type and there's like uh the masculine like you know for the feminist movement was all about like masculine women right and this sort of thing and now you see this counteraction of men and it's sort of it's really interesting because I think it connects to sort of um, part of the trans movement, but you have like men trying to like refocus on a different kind of life or whatever and living the life they want to live in a different way. Um, right. Yeah. So it's like a counter. Yeah, it's a counteraction yeah. to the feminist. Well, movement. okay. So you've gone through a month of uh, kind of uh, searching for happiness or something like that. And I think. No, no. So that's why I wasn't like so. What's the most interesting about me, it's not, I wasn't searching for happiness. I was applying the happiness algorithm to my mind. Okay. Because basically something happened in this argument that was like really complex for me to understand. Right. She triggered me emotionally in a deep way that I didn't understand. Okay, and, but this this is what I want to get at, though, because uh, I think this but it, is, wait. I, I'm, I'm thinking of our audience right now and I'm thinking about yeah. what everyone out there is going through and mm -hmm. how, um, you know, right now everyone is is just stressed. They're they're angry. They're yeah. bitter. 
towards everything that's going on that's out of their control. The government is clamping down on us again. It's very easy for us, especially us libertarians. That's no, see, our, that's I, not I, out I, of on, people's control. On. The government isn't out of people's control. Oh, okay, they, they can't stop the lockdowns, put it that way. Not They can not, protest. They can protest. They, should, they, can do they should protest the lockdowns. Fair enough. But my, my point is... <laughs> We, we're talking about op operating in, a, in an optimal cognitive state, um, and you've spent the last month working on that, or I, I don't know how you would describe it. I'm trying to word it in a way that you're not going to have a quibble with, but you, you applied an algorithm or whatever. So what I'm yeah. trying to pull out of you is some advice to our audience about if they find themselves in a similar state to you where they're like either depressed or they're, they're just okay, okay. numb or I see. They're whatever, so, they're, they're angry. Perfect. What can they do? How can they get in? I, I have my own uh, tips and tricks that I'll add to it, but I want to hear from you. What, what, how can our audience find that happiness or whatever? They can check out mindfulnesstraining.me. I'm developing a company to train people how to do this <laughs> because, <laughs> but no, but so honestly, yeah. So basically it comes down to like, this is important. Like the ability to do this and flex this is important if people want to train themselves to be happier. So like there's a worksheet on my website that's like counterfacts. And it's like a simple thing you can do to just train yourself to think more positively about stuff. It's a pretty easy like exercise to do. And, but basically what you want is you want to be able to choose to focus on the happiness more often, right? Like if you have some happiness in your life, get like actually be able to get your mind to think about that. It's very difficult, right? It's very difficult to actually get yourself to think about that. I had to fly to Boston. Let me try to summarize right? it and see if this this jives yeah. with you. It's it's not about necessarily fixating on all the problems that you think are the source of your unhappiness, so much as it is focusing on, on the the little bits of your life that are causing happiness, nurturing those and leveraging those, and so that um, those other things can fall away. Right, and it's literally a change of focus and and right. working to get your mind to focus on the 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 stuff that's good right but yes. the other important thing is it will only continue to do that if it knows they're growing right happiness you said joy and happiness are different right happiness is what comes from the pursuit of your values right and so it's the the state comes from just knowing that you are someone who is pursuing what they think is good what they think is worth pursuing mm. that's the sort of state and so you have to actually, yeah, work. And there are exercises and check out mindfulness training mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, that actually help your mind do that more, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and what I would say, what I've learned, and believe me, um, happiness or joy <laughs> is a struggle for me too. I mean, you know, as you gain, uh, I guess, public uh, scrutiny, let's say, um, you get a lot of nasty messages and I've, you know, over the oh, past yeah. few weeks, I've, I've gotten all sorts of nasty things and it, it, it will sit there in your brain and it'll gnaw at you, right? Like one, there. one bad thing will eat up, use up your mental energy 10 times more than all the good things that people are saying there, about you. There's and, a really good podcast. Sorry to interrupt. There's a really good yeah. podcast episode by Alex Epstein. He does the human flourishing project podcast and he has one called no news is good news. And the way he thinks about if you look at news, and he includes news, even email, general news, it's, it's having your mental 
state set by someone else's agenda. Right. And it's like micro decisions. How often do you want your mental state to be set by someone else's agenda? Do you look at email? Do you, and it's, it's only like a 20 minute episode. It's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, Liberty Expert Nation, uh, if you're anything like me and you're on the social medias, you'll be triggered from time to time and you might uh, get angry and frustrated and bitter and it might occupy some of your time. So, um, you know, listen to what David has to say here in, in that mindfulness is the key to get out of here. And some of the tricks I've learned um, is, you know, when I find myself in that state and I'm like, man, I cannot, I can't believe this person is occupying this time in my mind and stealing my energy from me. I need to get out of this. Um, I, I go back to, to what I learned in grad school, which was attitude of gratitude. I start thinking about things I'm grateful for and appreciative inquiry, which is what, um, what I call focusing on what's working rather than what's not working or focusing on what's going right or what's making you happy rather than all the things that are making you unhappy. And this is a key to organizational this uh, development as well, by the way. Uh, you know, if you're a consultant and you're called in by an organization to help them perform better, or even if you're a manager, you know, most managers spend all their time, 80% of their time dealing with problem employees when they should be spending 20, spending most of their time actually supporting and focused on good employees. So you focus on what's going right and you start kicking more ass. And so that's what I do. I take uh, the attitude of gratitude, the appreciative inquiry, and then I do one more thing, which is something that um, is a physical thing you can do that uh, actually really uh, high-end leaders in fire service do unconsciously is as they're approaching a, a big chaotic scene where there's all sorts of intensity and high stakes they start taking some deep breaths and they center themselves and then they go at it so you can actually uh, do something called box breathing three seconds in hold for three seconds three seconds out hold for three seconds three seconds in and just doing that for about a minute will improve your heart rate variability uh, which will actually improve your mental state. So you can attack, uh, and, and so things like heart rate variability is uh, is a physical observation that will tells you whether you're in an optimal mental state. It's it's highly correlated with an optimal mental state uh, because your heartbeat actually isn't completely regular when you are um, in a when you have low levels of cortisol in your body. Okay, if you have any levels of epinephrine or cortisol in your body, uh, your heart rate will be highly regular. And you don't want it to be highly regular because that's evidence that you're under some stress that is suboptimal. Um, and if so, it's regular or irregular? It's, if it's regular. So uh, another You're under some stress. In other words, when you don't have all these catecholamines in your body, like if you think about what epinephrine or adrenaline does, it speeds up your heart rate and it'll speed it up at a, at a fixed rate. So if you have any levels of those in your heart rate, you'll have a fixed rate. But if you don't have catecholamines or adrenaline running around in your body, what happens is you have this vagus nerve, which is associated with relaxation and the parasympathetic tone. Um, but you, it, it, it actually, if you take a deep breath and bear down, your heart rate will slow down because you're putting pressure on that vagus nerve. And so when you're just normally breathing, the pressure in your chest fluctuates a little bit. And that little bit of fluctuation causes your heart rate to speed up and slow down, speed up and slow down. So when you're in a relaxed state, there'll be a slight variation. 
Now you won't be able to really detect this just by checking your pulse. You, you, yeah. you can get um, you can get like on your Apple Watch, you can get heart rate variability so, monitors or different things like that that can actually test that. And athletes actually use this if they, they wear heart rate variability monitors all the time. And if they wake up and their heart rate variability sucks. Uh, then they know they have to go easy on training that day, for example, because their body needs more recovery time. It's under too much stress to grow properly. So th those are some things. So breathing and focusing on what works in your life. Um, yeah, and actually, I, I think this is what you're talking about. I recently heard from a psychologist or he wrote a, a, like a short article about this like monitoring. Uh, like there's bands now or something you can get that monitor this in you. And so like it calls you to your attention. And he said, literally, this is the most like this is the thing that helps you have the most mental health because you know exactly when it's happening. You yeah. can focus on yourself again. And it's like an immediate feedback loop. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, you can get it. I think like if you have an Apple Watch, you can get an app for that. Uh, uh, I have to get an Apple Watch. I just well, got a new iPhone. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too I'm too much of a consumerist again. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you want to go the extra mile, there's something called a whoop strap that you wear on your wrist, it, it's always Ooh. there. Because ideally you want it while you're sleeping too, it'll monitor your heart rate. And then when you wake up, right. it'll t you'll you'll be able to tell, like if your heart rate variability sucks, you're under some stress and you gotta do something about that if you wanna perform optimally. But it's a one other indication. One other mindset I just wanna add is the growth versus gap mindset, which is another episode of Alex, Alex Epstein's Human Flourishing Project has another really good episode on that. But yes. it's basically, literally, you have two options. When you're pursuing something, when you're aiming at something, do you look at how far you have to go or do you look at how far you've come from where you started, right? And literally, if you focus on one versus the other, if you focus on how far you have to go always, and it's what we were talking about earlier, but it's really growth versus gap. How far do I have to go or how far have I come? When you think about something, which way do you think about it? The more you think in a growth mindset, the happier you will be and the more you will continue to grow and be successful, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and it's really it's really interesting because you can even think about like, oh, how was I when I was a kid? Or like, you know, wow, when I started in this career to now, like, and just try and remember like the state in which how you got through it and stuff too. Right. And Carol, Carol Dweck has a book on that as well. Uh, and she describes it as growth versus fixed mindset, right? Um, fixed mindset is, uh, you know, the, the world's against me. Uh, I'll never achieve anything. I mean, we, we see this everywhere in society right now. Victim, uh, the victim culture or victim narrative is essentially in inculcating people with a fixed mindset. I'll never get out of this situation because the world's against me. Growth mindset is I can become any anything I set my mind to and work hard enough to become. Um, and another great book in this vein is one by Marilee Adams called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And, and the premise of that book is whenever something happens to us, our mind starts asking questions like it could ask a question that's in the fixed vein, which is why, why are why do these things always happen to me? Why? Why is this happening to me? Well, you know, uh, but, but can I so can much? I inter can I interject? I think one because i i care a lot about like precision of framing and precision of concepts right so i don't like fixed versus gap because fixed, fixed versus growth not gap. Fi sorry fixed versus growth i like fixed versus a uh, growth versus gap because to me fixed is more so about the environment right 
oh, I'm in a fixed environment, so I can't do anything. Whereas gap is I have a distance to go still. So gap is more focused on me still. And I think that's what people get stuck in because fixed mindset is more about an environment is said set, right? right? So it's like, maybe there's three factors. Sure, there's sure. Cause well, it's really about, Mary, yeah, you, you can use whatever term you want. I, I like fixed because it says that I'm static. Like my mind is not operating at a proper cognitive level to grow, to get me out of this. Your situation. mind is fixed. Yeah. Your mind is fixed. That's what it we're oh, okay. to, right. Is, is your mind is fixed in this state. Oh, which won't allow me to grow. And you want a mind that is, is set to growth. Uh, operate what do you uh, what do you think of this theory so apparently einstein's brain was heavier than average it was bigger and we talk about your brain is fixed versus growth einstein was someone who was literally focused on growing knowledge of just pushing his brain to come up with new things and his brain was bigger I think that's pretty fascinating. Well, that that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that had to do with his thinking, but if certainly our thoughts physically change our brains, right? Mm. That is a scientific fact. Like, yeah, plasticity is a thing, and that's the premise of Carol Dweck's book: is that even if the mass of our brain is fixed, uh, the synapses aren't. We can make new connections. We can have it operate in a more optimal way. And if you believe that, it's true. If you don't believe that, that's also true, right? So your your mindset and the premise you bring is uh is what sets it and and merrily adam it's so cool slightly different terms it's called uh, she calls it the learner versus the judger mindset and she her book is about changing from judger questions which keep you in that fixed mental state and switching to learner questions which puts you in a growth mental state so see this is it so it's wrong it's like you know a grower would say okay that went wrong what can i learn from this uh, whereas a judger would say, uh, why do bad things always happen to me? Fuck my life. This is, this is just my right. Life. And so what I, what I'm putting forward is I think like the, most people think those are the two sort of fundamental states you can be in. I think I was mostly in a different, I was always acting. I was never, I wasn't judging myself and I wasn't trying to get better or growing i always thought i knew exactly what i was doing so i was always just acting on that right mm. and i had as i learned how to like not do that because that's not the best state of life um i had to take advantage of the neuroplasticity i had to learn about these other mindsets and understand okay how do i get into them because i like apparently I'll live a better life if I train my mind to get into this mindset. And it's literally like effortful training. It's like muscle memory in your yeah. mind, right? Yeah, and I think there's a, there's even another mental state, um, you know, because we talk about getting rid of stress or something like that in your life. But I've actually found when I've performed best is in moments when I'm under a high amount of stress and I turn that stress into something positive, into a positive framing. And so, so if, I'll give you an example. I think yeah. I used this example before is when I get triggered, uh, a PTSD trigger from a past experience in a fire where I, I thought I was going to die. I sometimes get that trigger. Now I can let that defeat me and curl up in a ball and call mayday or something like that but what i remember is that that was the most important day of my life because i remembered i was going to die and i better live a purposeful life and all sorts of good things happened after that day because of that event and this is my body reminding me of that day 
And when I remind myself of that, then I feel like I, I, I actually perform at a higher level. And it's the same when I'm public speaking. The time when I bomb the most is when I've been totally relaxed going on stage. When I do the best is when I'm feeling nerves and I'm like, I feel like this really matters and I need to get this right. But then it's, a, it's like switching that anxiety into, you know, a hack I use is I tell my brain that I'm feeling excited right yeah anxious because it's the same physiologic exact same physiological process See, going on but it's the my the framing and my thoughts about what that process is that determine my performance so i, I want to do more reading and discovering on on uh accessing that state and uh, you know they might call it a flow state or something like that but to get into right. a flow state apparently i think you have to be under a certain amount of stress to to get there so no i don't i i I think I know exactly how to get into a flow state, right? And I think that that is one of the ways. That's the traditionally more masculine way to get into the flow state where you're only focused. You know you're giving the speech perfectly. You just know it. You're certainly giving the speech perfectly, right? And you're just full confidence. And you get to that state when you're like, okay, you know this is important and you're going to nail it. You know you're going to nail it, right? Even as I say that, I can feel it. I used to be like that, but now I'm trying to get that same state, but from like an opposite perspective of like, of being able to go into that speech and have that confidence mentally, but in a totally relaxed state, just like absolute certainty that I know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting because both can give flow state and it's about how do you want to like, how do you get into it? There are different ways. And I think, like, I learned originally how to get into that state through the Buddhist way, right? Which was like, meditate, force your mind, right? Like, but what I'm trying to figure out is how do you sort of, when your mind is starting to get anxious, how do you catch it and calm it quickly? How do you catch it and calm it quickly? It's almost like a video game more so, not like a, right. so the analogy I came up with was like, uh, so, you know, some people call it a monkey in the brain or an elephant of the brain in the brain, like your subconscious hopping around being anxious or whatever it's doing. But I like to think of it as a dog because it's it's more of a companion. It's really on your side. And what what meditation and stuff and traditional mindfulness techniques train people to do is to, like, put a stake in the ground and leash the dog up. Right. OK. And like, OK, but now he's over here. So I'm going to aim him at, like I'm going to aim him effectively, at least like whatever it is. But instead, what I'm doing is I'm installing a virtual fence so that when my subconscious goes a certain way, it shocks itself and it notices, oh, I'm running on anxiety right now. And so because of that, it started to calm down. And it's a totally different approach to mm. when I'm starting to get into that state. How do I like calm it? Not like right. or the other option is the deep breathing. But the like mind body connection, if you're in that anxious state to like a like a let's call it intellectually or conceptually anxious state. Like you have yeah. so much to remember. You, it's hard to ground your body, focus on grounding your body while keeping the whole speech perfectly in your head or whatever, right? Yeah, um, see, I, I look at if I'm using, if we're using the dog metaphor, I'm looking at that dog and saying, okay, there's that dog. It's going to be, it, it's going to hinder me if I don't do something. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is harness it and he's going to pull me actually even harder than I could go myself here. Right. And, and, and rather than fight that thing or put a negative label on it, I try to use it and see how can I surf this? How can I harness that energy and put it towards right. my purpose? Uh, and I find it's more effective than trying to struggle with it and, and like anger the the term anger management 
I think is almost antithetical to managing anger because it puts you in a wrestling match with it. When that those feelings are important, how do you harness them and, and channel them to something positive and getting getting in integrity with your life's purpose that causes brings you happiness or something? I, I agree, but I also think there's like an amount of it that some people think is like an appropriate amount or is enough that I think is less. Like I think there are other things that happen if you do let yourself be anxious in if, for a speech, right? Because that's like, I used, to, I used to do the same thing, but the difference was mine was like, I, I had no control. This was a dog that dragged me around for 24 years, right? Because it was way, like I was the little kid who could not hold the leash, right? And so I, it, I did manage to aim it and get stuff done, but it was like, so it was that, but like, for me, it was like way intense, right? It was like obsessive, like it was obsessive, right? right. Um, but I, but so anyways, um, but so I, I agree with what you said, right? You want to aim it and you want to like, let it go. But the whole thing is when, when does it leave the doghouse, right? Like, so you want to make sure it gets all the exercise it needs that it, it gets, it gets the, like, it goes as far as it needs to go, but who decides when it leaves the doghouse? If it's anxiety before a speech, for example, not to say that's necessarily bad, but it's, it does it get triggered? Does it go that way? Or do you only let it out? You give it all of the exercise it needs. It it's, has free reign, so to speak. But who decides when it leaves? Because that's the issue at stake, right? If you're depressed, you lose control. If you're anxious, you're losing control. When, like so that's the key thing is training yeah. it so that it knows and it's really like so you said the excitement and energy trick you were talking about right yeah i've i don't get enough excitement in my life so i'm really anxious because i need like i used to be an yeah. adrenaline junkie right yeah right and so i can like flip the anxiety into excitement or I can like work with my subconscious to need less excitement, but I make sure I give it all of what it wants yeah. so that it only comes out for treats when I give it treats or whatever it is, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I think, you know, obviously our brains are probably wired a little bit differently as well. Uh, you know, I have a hard time like getting excited or like I'm fairly, you know, I'm, I'm from Russian stock, right? So we're a pair, pretty serious, non-emotional type people. And so... I, I quite often find myself trying to find a way to stimulate or like get some kind of like feeling to get me motivated or something like that. That's probably, I, I'm guessing subconsciously, that's why you still love to hate read your angry people on social media. Because it gives you that like, it, gi it gives yeah. you a hit. It gives, oh, oh it, it does actually. And it fuels me because uh, quite yeah. often, <laughs> what, whatever's pissing me off on Facebook, I'll turn it into a, a content. I'll be like, yeah, oh, you make this yeah, is your good best fuel. Stuff, I need to use this, right? Your best I, stuff like, is I, like I, a quick response. Like, a, right. oh, these, and it's like so pinpoint precise good. Yeah, yeah. Like when uh, Neil Young pissed me off, that's really what springboarded <laughs> this whole thing, right? Um, well, but, and, if and I may, I if it, I may. Yeah. Think about, have you watched the Michael Jordan doc? Yes. So think about, he would let some, he had such control over this mechanism of motivation. He could get, someone would say something like offhand to him yes. and they're like, oh no, I just turned on Michael Jordan. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. he, and he had such control of that too. If he said that there's a spark, right. And so it's like, where do you get those trigger? How do you build those triggers yeah. in? And 
social media is a good igniter, but it's not necessarily the best one to set your mind up, to set yeah. yourself going, right? Yeah, yeah, good point. I, I got to yeah. work on finding triggers that get me like going um, other than that. But, you know, another example I use is the boxing match where I was supposed to fight Trudeau and I fought a prison guard. I was like, okay, I, I was talking to my trainer. I'm like, Nick, should I be like, psyching myself up here and getting pumped right, yeah. and like getting getting my war face on he's like no no you're more cerebral like me just relax sit down take it easy so i went into that ring totally relaxed no nerves no anxiety just walked in there and within 20 yeah. seconds i was taking a standing eight count because i'd been punched in the head so many times and i realized okay that's probably not the best approach for that's, me like complete yeah, uh, yeah. relaxation is not where i operate caught uh, most efficient effectively or perform most effectively it's better than being anxious and fearful and nervous and like constantly scared yeah, but yeah. it's not as good as channeling those feelings into uh, high performance right and, and so that's totally like all of the advice i came across in terms of how to get into this calm state or to be able to sort of like fluctuate between the two all of the advice i found was more like of the calm state, right? If you want total control of your mind, you have to like connect it, like rip it into your body and make sure you're like totally like just chill as hell, right? But actually, I think there's a way to sort of, um, the important thing is to learn how to fluctuate it from that sort of higher engagement state that like the, the like I say, Michael Jordan, game seven of basketball is mindful right? But he's super on. He's not going into the game like you went into the boxing match, right? But he's totally in control the way like, but yeah. like to, you have to pump into mindfulness, but you have to get into mindfulness in a different way. And think yeah. of like, it's rare that someone is so able to do that. Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, I'm talking about like the best athletes who could be totally right. in control, but at that level, right? And it's like a different, yeah. So it's like sort of a different corridor to travel through. Right versus yeah, exactly, like the exactly, sit yeah. as a monk. I mean, I mean, towards the end of that boxing match, I was winning uh, because I switched my mental state into one of of focused aggression. Like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. I'm gonna knock yeah. that out, and I don't care what's what you throw back at me. And uh, yeah. and but and I should have entered the ring in that state, uh, yeah. and I would have been you know uh, had a better outcome. But yeah.